Chapter One, Part Two of the Book of Love by Paolo Mantegazza. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Love in Plants and Animals, Part Two. I am in the garden, lying down upon a wall so low that I can voluptuously scent the soft aroma of the earth damped by a storm. I have no rocks under my body or pillows under my head. A slate, furrowed and shining, is my bed. With one hand extended above the wall, I am nipping the petals of a lemon flower, while with the other I am frightening the ants which hustle about in the sandy path. All at once, two little shadows, two brown sprites, pass before my eyes and alight, facing me, in the middle of the path. They are two children of heaven, all wings and all beauty. The organs of terrestrial life are reduced to a thread, but a thread that sucks the nectar from the flowers and four gigantic wings to conquer the skies. The hours are numbered. They must love and die. And nature made them warm and swift for intense love. Organs of sense greater than the venter. Organs of beauty greater than the entrails. They are butterflies, but I know not their names and I feel disappointed. I look around in vain for an entomologist to name them for me. Man does not feel that he possesses a creature unless he has sprinkled it with the ink of his dictionaries. They will die, as far as I am concerned, nameless. And in vain will they knock at the gates of paradise, to enter the place where dear and beloved things are remembered. Can you imagine ever having loved a woman whose name you know not? As in religion, so it is in love. Baptism is the first and holiest of sacraments. But these butterflies love each other without baptism. They are frolicking on the pebbles of the path and running after each other. They do not suspect that the greatest tiger of our planet is watching them and that the great lizard is creeping down slowly from the little wall and turns its head to left and right sullenly, licking its own lips with its forked tongue and anticipating the savory taste of the delicate flesh of those pretty creatures. They are too happy to think of enemies that surround them and life and love are flowers which are picked in the midst of hurricanes and battles. They have found a stalk of withered grass which, under the footsteps of many pedestrians and in the sand strewn by the gardener, has succeeded in living and blossoming. That microscopic bush is an entire world for those two lovers, and the little female resorts to it as to a defense against a sweet assailant and runs around it like a child who flees from blows by running around the table. But after a few impatient circumvolutions, the lover jumps over that little tree and with his wings shakes those of his companion. A pinch of golden dust spreads through the air and a slight spiteful shrug, a rebuff and a voluptuous quiver close that first scene of love. At times the little female seems about to yield to the impatient embraces of her companion and when he, with the trepid anxiety of him who is about to grasp happiness, is very close to her and on the point of touching with his pubescent and loving antennae the velvety body of his beloved one, she flies two yards away, and he after her and again and again is met with mockery and cajoleries. The heat increases and the surcharged desire has become as ardent as the sun. The coquette has turned her back to her pursuer and opens her wings slowly in order to show the splendor of her gems, her silver, her velvet, in all their pomp, and having shown them, 
she falls and raises her wings and instantly hides all the most splendid dress with which nature has made her so beautiful. Nor is the male less of a seducer, as with a little bound, which resembles a flight, he places himself in front of his companion, and in turn opens his wings, showing his thousand colors and the charm of his golden eyes. But too restless is the impatient of those two lovers who exchange their first kisses. Whoever has witnessed but once the caresses of two butterflies can certainly imagine how the angels love. But does any planet shelter a human creature that lives with wings also in heaven? Now those two butterflies come near to each other, so near as to touch, to kiss with the antennae. Then in a wink, one bounds upon the other, and with a leisurely, sweet, prolonged caress, fondly they kiss each other with their wings. And then they repose, as though they wished to relish the sweetness of that grand and voluptuous caress, in which the wing of the one softly and slowly kisses the silken velvet of his companion. How sweet! How sensual must be the caress of two wings which with a thousand scintillating papillae touch each other in a perfect juxtaposition! And yet in this intermingling of nerves and velvet do not lose one single speck of that golden dust which adorns them. Many and many a time I saw those happy creatures prance around and kiss each other. Many a time I stood with beaming eye, envying that angelic kiss of two wings. Man may, indeed, envy the butterfly, which in its rich loves of glittering inspiration puts to shame our corporeal embraces. Two creatures, nude yet clothed, passionate and chaste, that love but once and one creature only, that kiss on earth and unite in the skies, that, inebriated with the nectar of flowers and the rays of the sun, caress each other with their wings and fall in love with such beautiful hues as Titian and Rubens strove in vain to obtain from their art and their chemistry. Two creatures that abandon life in a long love, and from the spasms of a leisurely embrace return to nature their bodies extinguished by love. After long kisses and many caresses, my two angels exchanged the last more ardent rebuff, and then away in the sky to relight the torch of life which was soon to be extinguished in them. Sighing, I followed them, now united in a whirling flight, until they were lost in the azure of the skies. Why do we not also love in that way? End of chapter 1, part 2